Well, good morning, church, and welcome to our Pentecost Sunday service. Today, we remember and celebrate the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers gathered in the upper room. We celebrate the day in which the Holy Spirit came here to stay, and that is the title of today's message. You, you see, the Holy Spirit had been active on the earth before Pentecost Sunday. But he only came upon certain people, and only at certain times as God ordained. Only the offices of priest, king, and prophets in the Old Testament experienced the visitation, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon every believer to stay in every believer. I mentioned uh, last week that May is a month of many celebrations for us as a family. I mentioned that we also have dates in the Christian calendar that reminds us of special events that are important dates and events that we celebrate. I mentioned them, the five main ones, Christmas, Easter or Passover, where you remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Ascension, where we went up to heaven, Pentecost, today, the coming of the Spirit. These four have already happened. There's one more, which we know is going to happen, and we anticipate, which is the return of Christ. That will be the last, final, great event in the Christian calendar, because then Jesus comes to reign with us and be with us. Today, we celebrate that fourth event, Pentecost. It is the last main historical event in the Christian calendar. The next big event will be what? The return of Christ. Pentecost launched the church age. Remember some time back I shared with you the six big chapters of the Bible? You know, you can summarize the whole Bible into six big chapters. Chapter number one, creation. Number two, crisis. Number three, covenant. Number four, Christ. Number five, church. And number six, consummation, the end of all things. Well, creation has happened, crisis has come and gone, the covenant was established, Christ came. We are a number five church. We are living in that second last chapter. And that chapter could end any day soon. On Pentecost, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell in men. We have now become temples. On that day, the church was introduced to the world. That, that first chapter, the church of the Bible, was introduced on that day. It was the birth of the Christian church. About 120 disciples were gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. They were in prayer, in unity, in one accord. At about 9 a.m. that Sunday morning, in Acts 2, verses 2 to 4, the Bible says that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. <laughs> that noise attracted a great multitude. 
And so Peter spoke to the people and explained to them what was happening and he preached to them. He, he made it very clear that those who had crucified Jesus had crucified the Messiah, but he came back to life and was alive and that he had now sent his Holy Spirit. Many in the multitude were moved. They repented. They were baptized and filled the Holy Spirit. And on that day of Pentecost, about 3,000 people were added to the church. The Holy Spirit had begun His work in and through the followers of Jesus. Let us talk about the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is God. God has chosen to express Himself to humanity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are the expressions of three distinct persons or personalities. Yet, they are three in one, forming one Godhead. We read in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. You see, Peter is equating Holy Spirit with God. He's acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to every believer. When a person believes in Jesus and receives the salvation he offers, the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer and gives him spiritual life. On the day of Pentecost, this was the message that was preached Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. You see, he declared that the promise was for those that were listening to him that day and for their immediate descendants, their children, and to those who were afar off, meaning those who'd come to faith in the future. That is you and I. <laughs> so let us consider briefly the coming of the Holy Spirit. Let's consider his mission and what our response should be to the person of the Holy Spirit. First of all, his coming. The coming of the Holy Spirit was announced in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. You see, Joel and other Old Testament prophets saw a day in which the Holy Spirit would come upon all kinds and classes of people, not only upon specific offices. The coming of the Holy Spirit was announced in the New Testament. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, And being assembled together with them, He, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus had mentioned this before. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. John the Baptist announced it, and in this passage, Jesus himself prophesied the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had in other occasions predicted his coming, the coming of the Holy Spirit, particularly during the Last Supper as he was sitting with his disciples. And then the Holy Spirit did not come quietly. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And as we've read before, suddenly there came the Son of from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were not speaking quietly either. How do we know? The noise of the wind and the noise of the voices of the disciples in praise were so loud that it attracted the attention of the people around them. They all came to see what this noise was all about. Some understood that they were praising the Lord and they marveled. But others <laughs> thought they were having a drunken party. In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, Peter spoke to them and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. You see, Peter quotes Joel over here. That initial outpouring of the Spirit was not a quiet event. Some of the other times uh, where there was an outpouring of the Spirit in the book of Acts were also loud affairs. And until today, when there is a move of the Holy Spirit, when there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it can get quite loud. It's okay. No need to hold back. When the power of God moves upon you, it is not always easy to control your emotions. Let's talk a little bit about his mission now. He came to convict. The work of the Holy Spirit, his mission on the earth is to convict. John 16, 8, Jesus said, When he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Then Jesus explains. He says that the Holy Spirit will convict of sin because they have not believed in Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to convict sinners to believe in Jesus. He will convict the world of righteousness of what is right before God, because Jesus is going to the Father and we won't see Him anymore. It was one thing, walking with Jesus, observing Him, being with Him, listening to Him, but now He's in heaven, we can't see Him anymore. But the Holy Spirit, is here convicting the world, everybody, of righteousness, of what is right. And you will convict the world of judgment because the devil, the ruler of this world, is already judged. And so the Holy Spirit brings conviction that there will be a judgment. So those who respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come to believe in Jesus 
will do more and more of his will, what is right before God, and will not be judged with the world and its ruler. The Holy Spirit came to teach and to remind. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He will teach you. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to understand the things of the Spirit. And just a quick remark here, that, the, that for the Holy Spirit to remind us, He says, He'll remind you right, of the things I said to you. For the Spirit to remind you, you need to have heard it or read it first. And that is why it is important to know the Word of God, to read the Word, to hear the Word. Amen? The Holy Spirit will also, His work is also to reveal, His mission is to reveal from the Father and the Son, whatever is happening between the Father and the Son, reveal to us and will speak of what He hears. John 16, verses 13 and 14. Jesus speaking again, He says, However, He, the Spirit of truth, when He has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. You will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Mm. The Holy Spirit will also empower us to witness. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, you, you see the effect of this power over the disciples as they begin to spread the gospel. I mentioned Peter just now. Remember Peter, the guy that denied Jesus. Now all of a sudden he's facing a multitude and boldly proclaiming the gospel. Well, let's talk a little bit about our response. What should our response be then to the person of the Holy Spirit? In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 38, we read, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 15 to 18, Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, believer, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's so good to know the Holy Spirit has come to stay. Amen. Based on these and other New Testament scriptures, it is clear that our response to the Holy Spirit should include the following. Belief. Belief. Number one, belief. The Christian life is based on faith. You have to believe. You have to believe in the promise of the Holy Spirit and believe that the promise is for you too. 
You have to believe that because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. Then you have to receive. Receive that promise. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you, in your spirit. But God wants the Holy Spirit who is in you to fill you to overflowing with power to serve Him. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father. So receive the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing to be afraid. Ephesians 5, 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. The other thing we need to, to do, it's our response, is to acknowledge. In other words, become aware of the person of the Holy Spirit. Just because we cannot see Him does not mean that He does not exist. Jesus said, that the Spirit dwells with you and will be in you. So listen, every day, conscientiously and intentionally acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Just say so. Talk to Him. Say, Holy Spirit, I know you're with me. Go with me here. Help me in this. Lead me in that. Just talk to the Holy Spirit. He's right there with you. Then listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit because He's a person and He speaks. If He's going to teach us and guide us, He's going to speak to us. Listen and be alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit normally does not shout, although He can, okay? But He speaks in the quiet of your heart most of the time. He may drop a sudden thought or inspiration. He may bring a specific verse to memory. When you pray, take time to just become quiet, saying nothing, just listening. Listen to His quiet voice speaking to you, encouraging you, reminding of spiritual truths that are in the Word of God about you. What else? How else can we respond? By being sensitive. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do not quench. The Bible teaches that we should not quench the Spirit. That is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Simple verse. Do not quench the Spirit. And if the Bible says do not quench the Spirit, guess what? It's because we can quench the Spirit. We can be so taken up in our own lives or in our own problems. We can be insensitive. All these things I'm talking about, if we ignore all this, what are we doing? We are quenching the Spirit. We are not allowing Him to speak to us. We're not allowing Him to have His work in us. Amen? If I'm not sensitive, I could quench the voice of the Spirit. I could hinder a move of the Spirit in my life. So become sensitive to spiritual things and become sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Obey. <laughs> when the Spirit speaks, obey. When you read the Word of God, obey the Word. Because the Holy Spirit is there opening the Word to you and, and very often you, you'll read a script and it seems like a verse jumps out at you. It, it's the Holy Spirit taking that verse and emphasizing it for you. You'll find that one of the first things the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life is to bring scripture to memory as well. It, it may not be chapter and verse, but content. 
something to influence your choosing your behavior. You might be talking to somebody, maybe trying to share your faith, and you don't know all the scriptures, but all of a sudden you remember that the Bible says this and the Bible says that. You might not remember exactly what it is, but you know what it says. It's the Holy Spirit bringing those things up to your memory and equipping you to do the work of the Lord. You might be having to make a decision. You don't know what to do. And suddenly a verse comes to memory which helps you make your decision. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When He speaks to you, He will not force you to obey. That is on you. But if you keep ignoring His voice and insisting on not obeying, you run the danger of not hearing His voice anymore. You begin to shut his voice out and he will simply stop speaking to you and you don't want that. So this Pentecost Sunday, may we all be encouraged to continue to be faithful witnesses of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit in a world that is becoming more and more chaotic, complex and confusing. (laughs) May we become a people of hope as we carry the saving message of the gospel until Jesus comes. Our next big event is the return of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit Church, let us be ready for that day and occupy until He comes. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You so much that we can celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank You that You are here today. You came to stay. You are here to stay. Hallelujah. You are with us, with each one of us right now. And we acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. And we invite you to every day guide us, speak to us. Right now, Lord, as people are listening, as people are watching, there may be someone who needs direction from you, Holy Spirit, who needs a word of encouragement, who needs maybe a touch in their body, a healing. Holy Spirit, won't you right now move in their lives to do your will, to do the Father's will, to do what Jesus and the Father want for that dear brother, that dear sister. Guide us, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit until we see you face to face. Amen. The Lord bless you, and you'll see you next Sunday. Amen.